Hi everyone, it's Roger and Josh here from the What's on Disney Plus podcast. In this bonus episode, we're going to be talking all about all the legacy content available on Disney Plus and what isn't yet available and what um, we think is going to be done about it. Um, Josh um, has done a number of articles on the website, including, um, well, it started off as the 300 missing titles and then it went to the 350 and then it's gone up to the 400. He's also a moderator on our Facebook group, which is just about to hit um, 130,000 members. So just, he's been part of the team for um, quite a while now. So just for, since we've all got a little bit more time on our hands, um, we've been trying to do this, we've been trying to do this for a, about a month or so. But now I've literally got nothing else to do. It's a lot easier. So I'm going to talk to him in a minute. But just before we do that, um, just a quick thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the podcast, including Andrew Giuseppe, Julie, and What's on Netflix for all of your support. Readers make all the difference as well, keeping the podcast going. So with that, let's jump into it. So Josh, um, do you want to give a, give a brief um, introduction to yourself so um, everyone can know who you are? Absolutely, Roger. And I will say, I think What's on Disney Plus has a great... Uh, help to fans, it's a help to journalists as well. And uh, I think what you're doing is an, is an amazing service, you and the team, uh, James, Jeremy, et cetera. So all of you guys, uh, you know, kudos to what you're doing uh, and, and such an international understanding of, of this service because it's like, hey, you know, here I am in, in the US and on the East Coast, but how different parts of the world see this service is very different. So I'm Josh Shepard, I am uh, a film journalist. Uh, so I get to do a lot of entertainment coverage, talk to different directors, talk to different folks, especially in the family entertainment space. So I grew up on, on Disney films. I think as most of us, a lot of us did, I'm sure. Uh, and I love really the broad, you know, diversity of what we see on Disney, whether it's the classic stuff with, with that Walt produced, whether it's the animated films, whether it's Pixar films, Star Wars, Marvel, I kind of like it all. And I've actually, I didn't really know much of the Disney Channel stuff, frankly, but my wife grew up on that. And so over the, in recent years, she's introduced me to some things as well. And so I've gotten to see that there are some actual highlights in that, in that category as well. So um, love Disney, love the site. And I think Disney Plus is such a great service for all of us. I also am somebody who's not afraid of critiquing it and, uh, you know, having some, you know, I think constructive, hopefully feedback and, uh, you know, try to track as fans should hey, what's missing and, and the good products that's there, so. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, if anyone's ever listened to our podcast and hopefully everyone has, they will know that, you know, normally we, we don't shy away from uh, sort of saying stuff if we don't like it and so on like that. We try to keep it um, pretty, um, yeah, pretty real because I think that's the best way, really. I mean, they're not necessarily, you know, not everything always shines, but there's a lot of great stuff on there. Again, Disney Channel stuff, again, for me, was something that I wasn't so aware of because... It's quite funny because the Disney Channel didn't launch um, in the UK when I was a kid. It, it came about 10 plus years later than the US. They never really had, I mean, all the shows used to like broadcast in the morning and stuff. So there's lots of stuff like Chippendale Rescue Rangers. But I didn't have that whole Disney Channel thing because that didn't really come in until I was way into my late teens. So it's always funny, I think, as well. And this is the big key thing as well with the international audiences. Different places are all coming from different um, backgrounds, different histories, you know, example like you know you know like with china and stuff you know they generally are not so well aware of the classics and star wars and they've had to make changes and i think this is going to have to do a lot more internationally to kind of look at that now of how much um different things come in from different sides and um things like that but it's so too you know a lot of people on the forums of course would say you're not missing much you know when it comes to disney channel but i do think that there are some quality titles in there whether it's um, things I've found like the color of friendship, whether it's 
you know, uh, Kim Possible that my wife loves and has really gotten me. I mean, the villains in that show are very funny. Uh, so, I mean, there's some good writing uh, and, and some good things you can find in that category, even though I think a lot of it is maybe not exactly geared to us. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been kind of, uh, some of the ones I've been watching, things like, um, was it Big City Greens and Gravity Falls and a few of the kind of the more, the, the, comic, the, the animation that has a little bit more um, jokes for um, adults. But let's, um, we were, what we're going to be talking about here is we're going to be talking about, I said, kind of like the library really and about the vault because that's kind of been the main um, topic of a number of your articles. Um, so before we get into all of the, um, that side of things, but we just really wanted to start off talking about like what's going on really in April this month because um, there's a lot of new content and I know that was something that you wanted to um, particularly talk about this month. It was, Roger. You know, um, I think April was a great example of them actually giving some giving fans actually what we want giving us a little bit more than what we've seen so far you know on average i think we've seen maybe you know perhaps five maybe six or seven of these library titles uh, legacy titles you might call them um, but in april suddenly if if by the way all of these actually release we've had this happen in the past where things have been announced and not actually show up on the service so disney were watching um but in this case, you actually have better, I think, quantity and better quality t library titles than we've had it so far. So in April, you know, if you look at them roughly, it's 15 shorts that came out, 15 series, 15 films that are all slated to release this month, most of them on the first and on the third of the month. Uh, to kind of give you just a rundown a little bit of some of the highlights, I think, of that. Uh, you have The Odd Life of Timothy Green, great film. If you've not seen that, really interesting insights into kind of adoption and uh, just sort of a, a blended family kind of situation. I, I, honestly, even a, a couple that dealt, deals with infertility and then, you know, seeing uh, they're, they're an adoptive some kind of into their lives. Um, the Straight Story, which is an award-winning film by director David Lynch, and uh, one that, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's obscure for sure, I think. And I honestly, I have not seen it yet. I really am excited to see it very soon. And I've heard such great reviews on it, but it's one that I've heard, had on my to-watch Disney list for some time. Uh, really interesting, the 73-year-old man who goes on a tractor, you know, across multiple states in the U.S. and very personal, you know, very well-scripted, you know, drama, which, you know, that's not, it's an adult kind of, it's a, it's a movie for adults. It's, it's a great film to have on Disney. Plus, we want more of those. Um, I think the, an interesting short is the small one, something I have wanted to see on for a long time. And honestly, here we are in Holy Week, you know, this is, this is Easter coming up on Sunday, etc., this is a story actually of the, of the nativity uh, in, in Christmas, you know, in that, that holiday. But, you know, I think it is appropriate for Holy Week and one that folks should see. It's a 20, 20 minute short, uh, you know, quite a great Don Bluth, by the way, you know, who we all know has quite a story with Disney and uh, having left Disney later on and done Land Before Time and done American Tale, etc. But this was this was his very first early work that he wrote and directed when he was a Disney animator in the 70s. Um, you have actually a couple of episodes of the Disneyland show. So a lot of us who are, you know, the fans of the legacy content, we want to see more with Walt himself. We want to see the, the programs that he hosted. And there's a few of those, you know, the plausible, impossible, et cetera, that are up there uh, right now, but they're actually doing two more episodes. So man in space and Mars and beyond that's a 1955 and a 57 episode of the show. And these are ones that, you know, he actually collaborated with NASA on, um, back in the early days of the space race. And, um, you know, Walt was so passionate about innovation technology and, and that blend, I think, of science and entertainment, you know, which he did so well. So this is, uh, you know, such a, a great thing to see. And another interesting thing that's also showing up in April is actually nine seasons of America's Funniest Home Videos. 
I mean, I think it was a really odd one, wasn't it? Because it was like it wasn't even like the new episodes or the new seasons or even the first seasons. It's just like some like a random middle bit in the middle. <laughs> it's 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 true. It is it's a, it's odd. I think which ones they've chosen to put out or what they have announced to put out again. I will say that for them to actually put up nine seasons, I, I will be surprised if it actually shows up late later this month. But we need, I think, that kind of content that's binge-worthy, that is just the kind of thing that families can put on in the background. And, you know, it's the kind of stuff, you, if you have a cable channel or whatever, you've always had going, you know, just, okay, it's, it's funny stuff, it's, it's pranks, it's, you know, uh, just kind of pratfalls and things like that, that folks can just laugh and watch in sequence. And I think especially during this time when families are stuck at home, you know, when people are not able to go places to have, you know, stuff like that, that you can just, okay, binge one, you know, one episode after the other. It's a great thing for them to put on and then it shows that they're actually mining starting to mine hopefully the abc you know uh part of their vault and part of their library to say let's pull this onto the service yeah i think i mean i know it's something that we we did actually want to um, discuss so we'll leave the abc side of things for a little bit longer because yeah i mean it's exactly what was needed i mean also what really caught my attention was the amount of shorts that they dropped on and the interesting thing with the shorts is they kind of dropped internationally because sometimes with these stuff um, we're already starting to see now of like how things roll out differently. You know, some of the the older stuff seems to be less impacted by licensing. So we're seeing a lot of the, all the shorts dropped on there, the straight story. I mean, so it's like we have a badger. I've never even heard of that movie. Before. <laughs> oh yeah. Now I, I had, I honestly, I hadn't either. And here I'm somebody who, you know, is like watching all of these times. I'm like, where, where did they find this? That, you know, the boy who talked to Badger. So, but I, I think they should go for obscure stuff. Please let's get as much of this out as we can. I'm, I'm, I'm one who says more, 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 uh, you know, uh, in terms of Disney branded stuff. So uh, it's, yeah, it's a good Yeah. Go I was going to say the one thing I was going to say was, um, and I don't think, so, I think there's a, sometimes this kind of miss kind of idea of, the idea that it's all in the vault and it's all just there and literally that they can just kind of press a button and it arrives on Disney Plus and it's like, I don't think sometimes people maybe understand what work has to go into it before it can be put on the Disney Plus and that's why maybe things are taking a bit longer than we were initially thought. Yes, you know, and I've done some research on this for sure, but I will say that it is a little bit of a black box when it comes to Disney, Disney the process of Disney Plus and just in them discussing, I think, some of these legal issues and some of the contracts that are in place. I, I wish they would grant press more access. And these are quite, these are things that I've asked, you know, and both of us I know are on the press list and we get the announcements, but if they would actually give us access to say, Hey, let's do a conference call with reporters where we can ask questions, you know, because uh, you know, I, we know that, you know, some of the basic issues that are there are yes, there are contracts in place uh, with other services. That's usually by the way, most of the, not the titles that we're talking about, you know, that there's probably 85%, 90% of the things that are on the, over 400 titles that are missing list, those are not affected by some other streaming service contract. Uh, what they are affected though are by is licensing issues regarding music, regarding other entities that might own it, you know, uh, where they co-produce with another company and they're gonna have to work with them to get the rights to streaming. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, streaming certainly didn't exist when the content was created, you know, so they, they have to write that into the contract and figure out, you know, uh, you know et cetera. So, um, um, back pay as well for the actors and stuff whether or not that was involved in it as well that's a whole other issue I know that that's very true when you're dealing with the ABC shows particularly a lot of times these residual payments are involved that you know actors and producers when it hits a certain amount of uh, you know impressions that the show has made then yeah a, a new contract level kicks in and they have to pay out residuals and so especially when that hasn't been specified in a contract then they've got a real mess on their hands so 
you know, Disney's, I think, writing their contracts very carefully now so that they don't deal with these issues moving forward and that they own the content outright and there's not some kind of, you know, uh, continual payments that they're dealing with. But uh, yeah, we're with older shows, we're going to, we have to deal with that. And also we know that there's just a quality issue sometimes that either because of, you know, their masters don't exist, um, unfortunately, or a, a well-preserved master of their, and they have to convert, of course, the content from analog to digital and put it onto Disney+. Plus. So uh, there's, there's that aspect. And then sometimes they look at maybe what was even filmed and they say, this isn't of high enough quality for us to even put on the service. And probably some of these TV films that were made in the 60s and 70s, you know, it, they probably made that determination. But, you know, I think for those of us who are fans, we still want whatever's available, you know, to, to, to get out there. Yeah, and I'm also as well, I mean, talking like um, subtitles, audio descriptions, um, different, um, making sure they've got the different languages of the different, you know, all of this stuff takes time and money and also, you know, maybe if they can restore it, if they can, you know, because ultimately they don't want to put a load of content out there that's going to look awful on a massive TV because that was never the plan for them for these for a lot of this stuff. So there's a lot of technical issues. That I don't think sometimes maybe, you know, it's, it is funny because over the last six months, you know, uh, since Disney Plus kind of launched, it's been like, this is X coming to Disney Plus. Is X coming? Is Y coming? Is Z coming? Is X. and then X gets put up, and then all the attention goes to Y, and then it's like where's Y, and then it's Z, and and like now it's like, no, where's Sunny with a chance? Where's Sunny with a chance? Where's Sunny with a chance? And then Sunny with a chance comes on, and then everyone's where's Dog in his blog? Where's Dog in his blog? They kind of it doesn't matter what they do. The the second that was over, then the the, the the chain starts picking. There's usually seems to be like one or two movies that kind of seem to keep it's like um, i think the um, house of mouse that's that's another popular one that gets asked a lot and it's like that kind of thing of you can see how and at the same time disney are being very smart in how they are rolling this out and not giving everything to us all at once because they're going to kind of need to use the boat to kind of back backfill the disney press launch or sort of the the rollout kind of thing and it is just quite funny watching how all that works it's true i, I wish they give us a little bit more information though in terms of what their plan is if they are going to put out 15 films, 15 series, 15 shorts per month, which is great, and I hope they keep up this pace, then give us an indication maybe of the next few months, you know, and certainly give us an indication, by the way, of what will disappear. And that's, that's its own issue. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think as far as like trying to work out what, the, what happens month to month, literally at the minute has just been a roll of a dice <laughs> because it has changed multiple times. I mean, and I'm someone that's probably, I am looking at these release schedules multiple times a month i'm checking i check daily i'm constantly checking to see where they're coming from and then also we've now got like the european side it's like people are asking me like you know it's like well literally this is the first month of disney plus in the uk so therefore there is no prior information where everything is just trying to work out how this system is going to work and it takes time now with the us kind of like six months on we've kind of got a, a routine but even that's changed multiple times in the since it launched it was drop everything at the start of the month. Then it was two, half, you know, January, they dripped it into two. And then sort of February and March, and now into April, they've kind of gone into more of a drip feed each week. You know, even that routine's completely changed over the last few months. I think your command, by the way, Roger, of, uh, of the news and of the current cycle of information on this is very impressive. I mean, I have some Google alerts set up and things, but you're, you know, usually what you put up is much quicker and, you know, than, than things I see. So kudos for that and giving fans such a great resource. But I think, you know, to give people a big picture, I mean, the truth is that Disney is a 97 year old company. 
you know, and here they've acquired 20th Century Fox or 20th Century Studios, um, I guess we're calling it now. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's like we've all seen the 20th Century Fox logo all these years. So it is it's a new thing for all of us. But I, I you know, I can deal with the renaming of it. That's fine. Um, you know, but they, they're it's its own 85 year old plus studio. You have them acquiring the Muppets, you know, and we could, you know, and you talk about another show that's, that certainly gets its wave of, of obsessive fans and people being interested in, in that. And uh, we had some great, you know, things happen even over the past uh, few weeks about that. Um, and Lucasfilm as well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in their, their vault. So these are hundreds of titles, a lot of times that have never been released. Uh, you know, some that have been put on a VHS, you know, a decade, two, three decades ago, but haven't seen the light of day since then. So, you know, like all of us have a, maybe sometimes a nostalgia factor, or maybe sometimes we remember it better than it really is. Um, and that's, that's something for us to, to all keep aware of. But at the same time, Disney has been known for quality storytelling for a long time. And I think we want to share these stories with our kids. You know, I know in, in the case of many of the users, grandkids, uh, you know, to, to be able to share these with, with them. And so, you know, I hope that Disney keeps up the pace of, uh, of these releases. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's like, I mean, I was thinking earlier, it's like, so especially what some of the older ones, I think the idea of drip feeding them out is probably a better idea because say they put up 20 to 30 movies from the 50s, a certain audience isn't going to want that. And there's so much you can be done at once. But also, I, I thought, well, if this, say this is now, what, 400 to 450 titles that we can kind of, like we've got on our list at the minute that aren't on there. You know, if they dropped one a week, they'd have enough for nearly 10 years. Um, <laughs> if they did two, you know, there's enough content there. And there's not, I mean, we've really not even really delved much into the 20th century um, studios back catalog because there's hundreds of movies and TV shows that they've got access to. Um, but there again, we're going to have to try and work out where what's happening with Hulu, the international, uh, all these different things. But um, there's something that I just wanted to bring up really for was something you just brought up was about them leaving, because this is something that comes up uh, at the beginning of the month. We had a few titles be removed. Disney never seemed to announce them in advance. They don't seem to kind of they they acknowledge when they return, but they don't tend to tell us when they're going. Um, which I think is a, a problem. I don't like the idea that they don't put that expiry date that you get on most platforms of when they're going. And a lot of them as well are primarily US-based. There's been very few that have left other, other areas. They, all the movies that have left have kind of stayed on elsewhere. And a lot of it is due to, again, the contracts that were made either, a lot of them were done by um, 20th Century Studios, but some of them as well by Disney, <laughs> that they then go off to some random like streaming service like FUBU and things like that, um, or to completely off away from it. But they, I don't think they're necessary. There's only a few. I mean, we're talking maybe in the last six months, maybe 15, 20 times, nothing like Netflix kind of situation. And they will all come back once they're over with. But that communication of has always been a bit messy. It has been, Roger. And I, I think it's odd to me because, you know, for instance, there have been dozens of articles that have been written about the Simpsons aspect ratio and how that's, it's being fixed. Obviously, they're going to get it done. You know, but it's like every major entertainment outlet, I feel like, has covered that issue. And yet this issue of disappearing titles, when there's been easily, you know, between a dozen now and 20 of different titles that have disappeared from the U.S. service and no announcement, no, no future date put out of when those are going to come back. That's a real problem. You know, I mean, every single month we in the entertainment world, we see these lists of and we get, you know, very public communication about, okay, this is leaving Netflix. This is leaving Amazon Prime Video. This is leaving Hulu. 
all the services are very upfront and very, you know, uh, transparent about, hey, this is, this is going away. But Disney, you know, hey, after December, Home Alone 1 and 2 left all of a sudden. There's no date, you know, that any of us know of when those are going to come back. Uh, you know, then there's, you know, people like to say, oh, well, it's going to another streaming service. But there are a few examples, such as The Barefoot Executive, uh, of a great funny film from the 70s that Disney has, totally has disappeared, was there at launch, is not there now. Um, we have no idea when it's coming back and why it was removed. You know, I think some of these, it's been a quality issue. For instance, maybe when Sword in the Stone was removed briefly, and that I think was shocking to a lot of people. I mean, here we have Disney, you know, putting out promotions all the time. The vault is wide open. And then suddenly one of their animated classics is no longer on the service. You know, I know it was only for a couple of weeks, maybe or less than that, but it was like, you know, that was, there was a real uproar about that. And I think it finally gave, made people aware that, okay, you know, we need to, as fans, have our, raise our voices about these issues of disappearing titles. And I'm, you know, I know some moderators, for instance, on the forums get, get upset the fact that we have these continual posts about where is this title, et cetera. But I'm one who's like, hey, this is creating a drumbeat and it's creating awareness among fans to say, you know, this is a real issue that there's, there's titles that aren't here and there's titles that disappear. And we as fans should, should stand up for that. I love the service. I think there's lots to like about it, but this is still a real major issue. I mean, it's like with Home Alone. It should have just, when it came off, it should have just said, come in, you know, returning on this date or whatever, and just kind of be open about it. They seem to have kind of removed a lot of those things now where they don't come up in the feed same because people were getting annoyed with sort of finding them because that was a problem at the start. But I think as a whole, there's just that whole issue is a lot of, it's like a sandlot. The sandlot is like literally like a yo-yo at the minute. It's coming on and off, on and off. Mm -hmm. off. I think it's come off twice They're caught, and the sequels are going on and then they're coming off because it's almost like well it's contracted to this company from this date to this date but there's three weeks in the middle that it can stay on so it's going back on and it's like okay what it's like yeah but a lot of them uh, the, the 20th century studios movies are the ones seem to be the one being hit the, hit the most it's true it's almost like there's a, a cap or something on the number of these these 20th century titles that can even be on there. It's, it, that's just in my mind what I, what I, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think that's accurate because that doesn't, case because that doesn't make any sense, you know, but it's like, it's almost like we have, we have 30 or so 20th century titles, maybe 40. And once it gets past that, somehow some of them start disappearing. I don't know why that is. I think it's just a rolling thing because internationally we've got a lot more, um, like obviously with the UK one now you go and then you've got the chief of five dozens and you've got most of the X-Men movies and you've got, they're dropping in a lot faster. You know, we're getting like Night in the Museum movies this, this week. Um, so we are, internationally definitely picking up more because there's less of an issue. I mean, they've still got different contracts, but there's definitely a thing with that one. I think, by the way, the, one of the most fascinating articles that you've put up on what's on Disney Plus is about the differences between the various countries, you know, and the, and the fact of how many titles are in each one. It's a, the research that was put into that is fascinating. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that you know, it's like we all wish we were in New Zealand because it's like apparently that's where you it's it's just, uh, you know, the golden world of, of having every single title <laughs> that's available. <laughs> they take it quite a bit of time. It's, I think I've, I've got a little bit more time at the minute to do these kind of things. And it was just like going through and like looking at them all and kind of because it's it's funny as well because it's like, you know, every time I, I'm trying to do it, especially more so since the UK launch, I've just been like, right. Here's America and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and UK Ireland kind of split them up and make them a lot more aware of like there is differences in the titles and all the rest of it. Because it's like, well, there's a big chunk of people here and there's a big chunk of, and it's like, Americans will go, why have they got that? And then like onward didn't come to the UK and now the UK go, where's that one? And then like, 
every little, it's like, it's such a weird little system of like, and I'm looking at going, if like, um, like Disney as a whole is still very itty bitty when it comes to international side of things and like what's on that and what's on that. And this is coming on there like this week, like King Tut uh, documentary is going on all of the platforms, but this movie isn't in this movie. And it is a bit like, you are aware that your Twitter goes internationally. <laughs> you are aware that when you put something up on your YouTube channel, everybody around the world sees it now. Of like this whole thing of like US only, and it's like it, it, you sometimes go, you guys really need to, to work on this. It's a little bit as, as an international. I mean, that's probably more so because I'm more aware of the, the international audience. But it is just so funny. And I think those of us who are fans, by the way, on the forums, we should be aware when people ask, well, where's this title? We should always respond, well, here in the U.S., you know, where I'm coming from, it's here. And, and here's a screenshot. But, you know, we're all going to face that as we interact across the, the world, that there's going to be titles that exist in one place and don't exist in another. And that's just the reality of it. So, but yeah, that was, that's fascinating and valuable research you did in terms of, you know, how many, uh, you know, here's the titles in each country. And so I, it was, you know, really kudos on that valuable information. And I, I tried to do the same thing, by the way, on my, that piece that I did on, uh, on the recent conference call with Iger and, uh, you know, uh, kind of recap and looking forward into, hey, you know, let, let's do better about the legacy titles. Yeah, I think it's like a whole, like, um, like I think like Australia and Canada tend to, ha- and I mean, like the UK tend to have more movies than the US, but the US seems to have better. National Geographic series seem to be the ones where the, like, the, there's more issues in place and that's why like the TV series probably I think America's got the best amount of TV shows but everywhere else has got more movies and then we get into like like today for example when we're recording this it's launched in France and like they've only got like 500 movies so there's like maybe 300 or so movies less than another country you know every little country is going to have different issues going forward so true. You mentioned that, um, Bob Iger's um, February conference call. Um, what did you want to kind of um, bring up to, about this one? Well, you know, I think that there's a couple of things from that call that we should be all aware of. I mean, I, it's interesting now that we've, we've been put into this quarantine worldwide in a sense. And so we're all focused. I mean, there was the one piece that you put up that information that showed that, you know, there are actually the pace of subscriber growth is actually increased by a rate of four times what it was because of all these families at home. So I'm going to be fascinated to see when we get the next update on, you know, not only uh, of, of subscribers from, from Disney corporate, because, you know, they've of course expanded into all these new nations. And then of course, also this quarantine uh, got them, you know, I think a whole lot more families that are stuck at home, but at the same time, we should be looking back in February. We didn't know that was going to happen. You know, uh, Bob Iger, then Disney CEO, now Disney chairman, um, and he's still very actively involved. I think we should all be aware through, you know, the end of of 2021 and calling a lot of the creative shots, which is, I think, great. But, um, you know, there were some surprising things in that call that were put out. And uh, and it's always in the Q&A. You know, they they say some things in the Q&A that you're like, okay, let's, you know, it was not scripted. And, uh, you know, in this case, there was a couple of little points that that I think, you know, fans should be aware of because I think, all of us who are watching the pace of legacy content want to see more from the great Disney vault put out. Uh, there's little nuggets of information we can, we can use. One of the most that was said was that the Disney CFO, you know, uh, you know, uh, chief financial officer actually said that there'll be no growth and they don't expect any growth, uh, you know, until the summer in the U S which, you know, is fascinating here. They've just said, well, we're at 26, 28.6 million subscribers, you know, worldwide. It's, it's so great. You know, they're coming off their big Super Bowl ad that had just aired a couple of days before 
you know, I think many people had added from that. And then they were like, well, you know, it's really just going to grow dormant at this point for five months until August when the, the captain, you know, the, uh, the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out. And then that's when we, we know we're going to see subscribers pick up. I think, frankly, because of the quarantine, they actually did have a probably better pace of, of U.S. subscribers than they expected. But that's quite a big admission, you know, in, in, in a, a season when you have, uh, you know, HBO Max about to launch, when you have Peacock about to launch here in the U.S., two very major... <laughs> it, yeah, Quibi was, was yesterday here in the U.S. And it, it, by the way, it was a bit of a disastrous launch from everything I'm seeing. I've seen nothing but negative reviews on that service. And, you know, but at any rate, it is an interesting, complex streaming market. And there are two big players putting, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, really, of dollars into their services. And Disney is saying, we're not doing anything really, you know, major for five months until August. So it was a big admission for them to make. And, you know, my head immediately goes to, okay, you have hundreds of titles in the vault, you know, that are very valuable. We'll go through a few more of those, I think, as we, as we close out here. But, uh, you know, it was a very interesting admission uh, for them to make. Yeah. I mean, I think they were very open about the fact that they were very much aware that once The Mandalorian finished and the gap between The Mandalorian and the Marvel shows, they didn't have any big hitters. I think they were very open about the fact that I think they mistimed it of how they were doing it. And they are aware that the Marvel shows will bring in a, a massive amount of new subscribers. But in the meantime, between then and then, you've got to look at it and go, well, actually, in the last, in the last two weeks, we've had the whole of Europe, or most, most, you've, had, you've had the biggest countries in Europe, you know, UK, Ireland, you know, uh, Italy, Germany, Switzerland, France, etc., all getting Disney+. Plus. You've then had India get their Disney Star Hot Star combination rolled out um, this week. Then you've also then had this news that the Disney Plus originals are now available in Northern Africa and the Middle East on the OSN streaming network because it's not quite ready to launch there. And you're looking and you're going, yeah, you, when they do their next conference call, they are going to be able to put such a massive amount of going, well, we did have 28 million. Now we've got like 80, 70 million subscribers and it's going to be a massive jump. And in some ways, is what they've actually ended up doing is created a second wave going up ready for the august launch so yeah while the u.s kind of everyone's like oh yeah 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 fine but it's they've when when it launches in august if it does i'm hoping it will do for falcon and the winter soldier they've now got this massive amount of people ready then for the latin for the latin um launch probably around that time bang you know they're just going to keep boosting those numbers up so next year they're going to need that content. So this year has all just been about the rollout. Yeah, I think from a from a financial shareholders perspective, that Disney is doing really fine in terms of how they're trying to position themselves as a Netflix rival globally. And I and I I, I think it's very important to emphasize that Disney streaming services is incredibly busy. And this is an incredibly ambitious plan to roll these out month by month in a sense in the international markets, because there's all kinds of troubleshooting to do. There's all kinds of things that, that they're doing in terms of conversion and making sure that the language tracks work in each uh, you know, country in terms of the, the captioning works, et cetera. So I'm not saying that Disney's sitting on their hands, but I am saying that they're probably in the midst of all this global rollout forgetting a little bit about those of us who are on the service and the fact that this is a five month gap here. And I tried to really lay this out very, you know, concisely to say, Hey, this is exactly the time for, for those of us who are fans who care about the legacy content. This five month gap is the exact time to be focusing in on saying, let's press for this. Let's put our requests in. Let's publicly make it known that, 
you know, there's the Muppet show, there's all manner of other titles we want to see put out on Disney plus, And this is the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things I just want to um, pick up on was first off, like people requesting, because obviously they've got this official requesting system that you can put in requests for three different shows. And it's funny reading like of how some of the people look at this, because some people I think almost feel like it's a, maybe like when they send this in, it's like a, an email going straight to Kevin Mayer and he gets the message and he goes, oh yeah, can you put this on now? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, not, it's not quite about that, because it's like, I sort of did reply to someone once and was like, um, you're probably more likely to think of this as a black hole. They're, li- they're, they're doing this to kind of make it look like they're listening, but probably not really actually ever reading it. Or it's a completely artificial system where they, I mean, I would hope that they are literally just counting, like they automatically count how many times certain shows are being requested. Yeah. So, that, um, so say like Sunny with a Chance is a prime example at the minute of, they will be able to see automatically by maybe by you know i'm hoping they've got like an algorithm or something like that where it will work out what are the most popular and most requested titles and that therefore pushes up what they are looking at first because it does seem to be quite often that that seems to be the case of the most requested ones seem to be coming in line earlier because i'm but at the same time that could be a black hole where nobody ever reads them they just put it there and it's like Sometimes you've got to think a bit more like realistically going, they could have, I mean, there's probably people in there putting in, requ- I mean, I know people have been putting in requests for Harry Potter and Superman and Batman and all kinds of <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. It's like the system is not, you know, and I first see other people kind of go, I requested it and they've put it on for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I do think that, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Disney had, I think, eight of the 10 top box office earners last year on the, on the top 10. They, this is the company that knows how to make successful films. They're a company that listens, by the way, to their fan feedback. They have the world's you know, most lauded cruise line and you know, consumer products that are, you know, all of us you know, have, have seen and bought and been compelled by because they do marketing like nobody else. So the truth is, I think that they are tallying all, these, all those requests in, no question. I think they have, I'm sure, an intern or someone who is, you know, doing the, the grunt work of figuring out how to tally that exactly and figure out what the requests are. Whether that tally is very important to the executives, you know, who, are, who seem to me very focused on the original productions and not so much on the legacy content, you know, I think that's its own question of whether even this feedback is getting up to Iger, getting up to Kevin Mayer, getting up to the ones who, you know, who really run the service. Um, but people should put the request in. And by the way, they should absolutely put their post out on the, on the What's on Disney Plus forum. I think that, you know, and I know I don't want to see that, that suddenly all flooded, you know, but the truth is I have no doubt that there are people who work for the service, who are watching the forum, who look for what is really trending there, who look for, you know, here's the titles that matter a lot. And, and speaking of trends, I'll mention one more aspect of the Iger article, which is that, you know, he mentioned this little tidbit of, you know, he said it a few times, musicals are doing very, very well. You know, and here I was like, okay, that's a really interesting little tidbit of information he gives us about, you know, users and what they're doing on the service. And then he doesn't pay it off. You know, it was a setup without a payoff because they have, you know, dozens of other musicals in their, in their library, whether it's Fox titles from Rodgers and Hammerstein, whether it's, you know, Disney type titles that are put out on ABC. You know, there are so many musicals they have not put out. And here Iger saying this, musicals are doing very, very well and then has nothing of that. So, you know, we tried to put out, I think, some logically, you know, I honestly, you know, then had a little bit of a, 
you know, my own little fan fiction of, okay, here's what he should have said, you know, that would have really actually made fans, you know, believe in the vision for this thing. Uh, so I, I hope that it's a helpful thing for people to get their, their mind around where the service is at. And the fact that this is an opportunity in this season of, you know, where, where, where we're lacking content and there's not any new stuff that's really A-list stuff coming out that they should be really focused on legacy titles. I definitely feel like we're at a point now where there's the, the current situation is leading to the problem of the originals and everything are going to have problems. All their new movies are going to be having problems with everything being delayed, pushing everything back. And I mean, we could be looking at a three to six month problem right now. Um, and it's that kind of thing of, I think like, for example, like putting Onward and Frozen 2 onto Disney Plus early was great. And that was a really helpful move right now but it's unreal expectations going forward of what they're going to do. But I think they are going to have to go into that vault to fill out the back, to fill it out. Um, there was a recent survey about shows, for example, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, How I Met Your Mother, um, Modern Family, uh, Blackish, and a few other bits and pieces that were kind of brought up as, would you like to see these on the service? And I think they're going to really have to start mining what's available on Hulu and there to kind of fill out and start giving you some binge-worthy content, start making it look like Disney+. Plus. Because I think May's and June and July's monthly drops, I'm hoping are going to be a much more filled with uh, classic stuff. Because I just feel like this is the prime. You've got all these people at home. It's like, right, get these people working on restoring, get anything sorted, get this stuff go through the back catalogue, go through the library because we can't make anything new. We have to use, you know, they've got this massive library of content. They could probably do Disney Plus without any originals for a year with the amount of stuff they've got. But I think this situation is going to force them to have to speed the process up. Yeah. And what's really good, and I know that there are, you know, obviously great uh, implications in terms of the loss of life and things that have occurred due to this crisis. So I don't, I don't think it's wise ever to make light of what's gone on with the coronavirus, et cetera, um, and, and people's jobs that have been harmed, et cetera, you know, and the economy that's been harmed. So, you know, we never want to make light of what's going on. Uh, what has happened in the entertainment world, though, is, is that a lot of entertainment journalists have been stuck at home with their kids and watching Disney+. Plus. And so the kind of things that we've been talking about for months and aware of, they're actually raising now to a much wider audience. So it's, it, it again becomes an interesting opportunity. So I mean, I, you know, we've mentioned probably in four different places, at least I have in my writing about the issue of the Muppet show and it's lack, you know, here, you know, 180 episodes in, the, in that realm, you know, of, of what Jim Henson did in the 70s and, and into the 80s, just a phenomenal, fun, entertaining show that so many people grew up on. And it hasn't, you know, seen the light of day. And, uh, you know, for various reasons, and we believe probably related to music licensing. But it's interesting because Vanity Fair did an article just this last week about this issue of where is the Muppet show? And, uh, you know, then you had another a half dozen sites that came out and did, you know, comicbookreview.com, etc. that all did their own little version of the story that just repeated that person's reporting. But what Vanity Fair did was actually some original reporting. And I, I've got the book over here, but uh, the Jim Henson biography. Um, you know, which is great, by the way, if you've not read uh, the, uh, I'm realizing my microphone, I probably lost it there, sorry. But this is a great uh, book, if you've not read it, about Jim Henson and about his legacy. A phenomenal uh, book by the great uh, Brian J. Jones, you know, one of the leading biographers of entertainment figures. And uh, so the article in Vanity Fair actually went and interviewed Brian 
his biographer and, uh, you know, and said, well, what do you think is going on here with the Muppet show on Disney plus, you know? And he said, uh, he said, he said, this, he's like, people keep telling me about music licensing is the issue. He's like for a major billion dollar corporation like Disney, that's a rounding error. You know, he said that, that's, that's, he's like, that is a minimal charge for them to get this out. I don't know why that the five seasons of the Muppet show haven't, haven't showed up on Disney plus, but if this is going to be the number one priority, you know, of, of this mega, you know, global entertainment company, then it should be absolutely coming out. So, you know, that is a great uh, aspect of awareness being raised and of, you know, here's some a major entertainment article echoing some themes that we've been talking about as fans, you know, on an ongoing basis. So I think we're starting to see other things, by the way, about Zorro. Um, I think especially, by the way, since in March, they, they had committed to the fact that they were going to put out what's called the second series, you know, the 1990s Zorro. And, um, you know, never showed up. Very, very strange. Yeah, there was a, quite a few things that happened in March. There was a lot of shows that were announced. They changed, and they didn't. They didn't arrive, and then they just arrived on random days. It was, I don't know if this was the, if this is the start of people like working from home, or there were some errors or something. Because there was, it wasn't just Zorro. There was actually a number of titles that just completely because they put out their, you know, they put out the, the, the release with all the dates of when everything's coming on. So that's what you're looking at. And there were so many of the library contents were missing those dates. Then they all dropped on, but then since then they've kind of improved. So I, I think there might have been the end of February, beginning of March. There was something going on where the things just weren't working out right. But it seems to things it, things have kind of worked themselves back out. Except it was strange. Yeah, I mean, for instance, I think uh, several seasons of National Geographic's Wicked Tuna was going to go, go up, and I think they maybe finally did go up. Yeah, they, but. Um, but, it, but the case with one of the things they committed to was Three on the Run, which is a, an obscure 1970s TV movie, never did show up and along, with, along with Zorro. So, um, you know, I, I will put out there to say that I, it's, the, it's the original 1950s Zorro that I want to see with starring Guy Williams that I hope does release. And all those 78 episodes, all those four specials, you know, that, are, that, were, that Walt Disney himself was personally involved in. And it's, it's an amazing adventure TV show, and you can see a sample of it in, in the sign of Zorro, of course, it's on the service right now. But, uh, you know, I want to see the original show. Honestly, this other series that's, that's, that they own now from Fox uh, and from, you know, 20th Century uh, in a TV, the 1990s show, that'd be great too. But that, those kind of series they need to put out. Honestly, the series aspect of the show, and I know we're kind of coming to the close of our time here, but, uh, you know, that aspect is, is really, I think, uh, egregious in terms of we, we mostly have animated stuff and we have Disney Channel laugh track stuff. And then we have, you know, Mandalorian and Agent Carter. And, and that's kind of about it, you know. Yeah, there's, there's a real thing right now. And I, I'm, I've mentioned it on so many occasions about the lack of content. Um, and I, the, we always refer to it as like adult content and that then gets taken out of context. Like, no, and I look at it and go, no, I'm starting to refer to it now. Mainstream content, mainstream um, general audience, kind of everybody um, that can sit down and watch these shows together. Things like Modern Family, things like that, that are mainstream audience, get everybody in. You know, I can sit there and watch on my own, or you get the family together, or older people can watch it, younger And they've been missing that. And I think we are going to see a massive, sh I think we're going to see a shift because I think the Disney executives have been hearing this just wave of people moaning after The Mandalorian, where it was like, there's nothing on here but kid stuff. And they, they went, in one way they went really successful and it's like, yeah, they, they meant to sign up, they meet every parent in the country and in the world. But they've kind of made this 
bridged themselves. They've kind of turned themselves into the, into the babysitter streaming service and everybody else isn't doing that. And I think we are going to start having to see them do more stuff, especially with international audiences, because I don't think what they're doing is going to work internationally when they don't have Hulu. To, that, that constant thing, oh, put it on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the rest of the world doesn't have Hulu, so <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, that whole <laughs> argument doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a really good point. It's, and, it's, and it's honestly, and I think Disney wants to reinvent the wheel and say, well, we have to do all the, these originals then. And it's like, no, that's not entirely the case. Like, you've been putting out things through Touchstone Pictures, through Hollywood Pictures for decades that were phenomenal films. I mean, The Count of Monte Cristo, What About Bob, hilarious comedy, you know, uh, with, with Bill Murray. Uh, Armageddon, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, the Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer kind of stuff. Swing Kids, phenomenal, you know, title from Hollywood Pictures. Quiz Show, Robert Redford directed show, you know, uh, film. There is a lot of stuff. And then you're not even getting into the ABC titles. And I, I hope that something like How I Met Your Mother really does show up on the service. I, I've not seen it. I've heard great things about it from, you know, people who've seen it. And, and I, I'd like to really dive into it. Uh, so a comedy like that, you know, there's, there's so many other things in their vault. And, and even sometimes I think they could, they could be thinking creatively about being timely, you know? Uh, so for instance, you know, even in, during this crisis that we were seeing, you actually had, uh, you know, songwriter Adam, Adam Schlesinger, uh, you know, die of, of the virus here in the last uh, week or so. This is a, the Fountains of Wayne, you know, front man and, and songwriter. He did the, the title track for That Thing You Do, um, you know, and was, was deeply involved in the music uh, for that film. And Disney owns that film. It's not, it's not part of the HBO, you know, deal necessarily. As far as we know, it's, it's a pre 2012 film. So if they were thinking on the ball a little bit, okay, like this is a moment when we could celebrate this person and, you know, in a, in a sense of in memoriam of their life and their work, we could put this out on the service. And, and uh, you know, that thing you do is a phenomenal family film and they have a lot of, you know, I think general mainstream content, like you're saying, uh, like that, that, uh, you know, is not for eight year olds, you know, but it is a, a great show that, you know, that either 12 year olds, 14 year olds, the whole, a family of, of multi-generations can enjoy. Yeah. I mean, just instant just came straight to mind when you said about it. I was thinking Independence Day, bang on movie for, um, you know, Jai, you know, put the two Independence Day movies on there. You know, that's a big Hollywood blockbuster. I love that movie. You know, that thing I think they need to, I think they are going to get there because I think they've, they've, they've been taking a bit of a beating with this whole issue. And they're going to see that how the subscriber numbers the trouble is now is essentially the current situation has, has thrown the data off because it's moved everything around a bit because suddenly now the data is not showing differently, but their viewing figures are going to show that data that they get. You know, I think I've started something now where we're looking at the trending each week and you can see like what's popular and what isn't. And like you say, if you are an, an adult, there's not a lot, there's not enough on there for you. It's really true. I, I love it that the guy from the UK is the one who brought up Independence Day and not the American. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I agree with you. If, if you look at other, um, if you, I mean, even other uh, things to think about would be May is Mother's Day. You know, they could put out a lot of titles related to, to mothers. June is Father's Day. There could be many. Takes me off because ours is in March. Oh, okay, that's interesting. That's just, so. <laughs> see, I'm, it it shows the international differences that you have to be aware of. But you know, so at least in the U.S., we're thinking that way. Of you know, a lot of people who who are involved in content creation, they think about okay, May, Mother's Day, June, you know, uh, Father's Day, but also June is kind of a wedding season for a lot of you know the U.S. and I think even worldwide. And so 
you know, that there are certain titles that just make sense in, in certain seasons. I think as well as I think they're going to be interested to see what happens with Hotstar Disney Plus, because I'm sure they're going to be getting a lot of data coming through from that to see what they do with that internationally, because I think that's something that they are going to have to look at. Um, but before we um, just finish off, just a quick thing, um, just look here at our list. Because I think the last thing really was um, we've been talking about like all the titles that we're missing and stuff. But generally, as a whole, there's the library is so big, but there's so many things missing. There's so many things they can want, and yeah, it's it's just an incredible library. And they, 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 there's so much backfilling they can do. And originals are great, but I think they've been they've kind of got the, the bulk of the, the vote sorted, and then it's just this this constant drip feeding effect. But I really think they just need to start mining the touchstone pictures, the 20th century studio stuff, get some more. And because I think the trouble is in some ways, Disney kind of, they, they got themselves in this corner where they were a little bit too, and I, I got a lot of feedback about that was like being too family friendly. And it's like, they went after 20th century studios for a reason. They went yeah. after that for a reason. You know, I know they some guys been hoping of FX and, but there's a whole mainstream audience of like, we, it's just because it's not Star Wars or Marvel doesn't mean that's the only thing we want to watch on. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I, I totally agree with you. I hope that they're more thoughtful. I think, honestly, one of the core executive team members of Disney Plus is, is a Disney Channel for former executive. And I think that's some of our problem is that that's their mindset for thinking about originals. And so, you know, that's a very narrow 8 to 12-year-old audience that, that are usually targeted on Disney Channel. And that's, you know, not a lot, not a lot of the global and mainstream, as you say, users of the service. So, you know, I hope that people are vocal about, you know, uh, continue to be vocal about the legacy content and, and getting it out. And honestly, even they use the data from what's popular to say, what should we be producing in the, in the future? You know, if, if Agent Carter is what, is what is going like gangbusters, then, hey, is there something along those lines you can produce? I know they are, obviously, in Marvel, but, you know, Sound of Music, what are other titles that are from your, your deep uh, legacy and, and library content that you could use as a, you know, as, a, as kind of thoughtfully about what to put it out in the future? And I think they probably are using that data. Because I also feel like with the National Geographic, I, don't, I, don't, I feel like they barely like dip their toe in the water. Because I mean, they must have so many documentaries going back decades. And so I think they might be old and out of date, but it doesn't matter. Get them out, oh. get, get them putting put up there. It just seems that that, we're just barely getting the tip of what's available. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I don't know the right situation on that. It's a very complicated situation with the Nat Geo channel and then the National Geographic nonprofit. Uh, when you look at this company called National Geographic Partners that was set up, it's kind of co-owned by the nonprofit, uh, you know, that we all know from the yellow iconic magazine. And then, you know, the channel that is more of a, a you know, for-profit enterprise. So I would love to ask someone at Disney Plus about what is the right situation because I grew up with the old National Geographic documentaries, Robert Ballard, so many of these other discovery things, they're, they're definitely not in the widescreen format. They're, they're four by three, they're not 16 by nine. But regardless, you know, they're great content. And I agree with you in the event that that's something we can access and, you know, then we're going to have a whole other list of uh, 200 titles to add. <laughs> <laughs> as well as I think the one issue there's been like for example there was a couple of shorts that they've been nominated for Oscars and stuff there's one like um, a Syrian hospital and there was another one about a cave and and it's like these aren't coming to, national, to Disney Plus these are like deemed like inappropriate and they're like going well you're either using the brand or you're not you've kind of you know 
if you're going to, you know, I'm not being funny, but it's the thing of if it's behind the adult profile and it's not the kid, you know, is a six, seven year old going to be interested in a documentary? Probably, they can, you know, as long as it's that kind of thing. And you know, I feel like they've, even with National Geographic stuff, is like going a little bit too safe of where they're going with it. And it's like, you know, documentaries and things like this are there for a reason to push questions through. It's not necessarily, it's a different type of content. Because I would almost say like, a TV 14 show on National Geographic is so different to a TV 14 show on FX. <laughs> yeah. Different content. It's so true. And I think for folks out there, I think if people want to see more of something, then they should watch it. And they should also be talking about it and putting out interesting reviews and content because then that causes other people to watch it. And it is the viewership numbers, I think, that are ultimately going to speak to Disney to say, we need to put out more content like this. So, you know, I think... Uh, you know, it's why the, the What's on Disney Plus forums are so valuable. It gives us that space, you know, not to say I'm watching this, but actually put out something thoughtful about, you know, what you're watching and uh, why it's interesting. And the other thing as well, and this is, I, I think this is the problem in some ways, like with like the trending tab and the data is that, you know, you see it a lot of, I've just watched our kids put Frozen on for the hundredth time. So Frozen is like being watched a hundred times by one person. Whereas a, a new episode of, the amazing, the incredible Dr. Poe <laughs> you watch once and then you go on to episode two, whereas like, there's that like repeated binge and it's like the numbers are just going to be like, and they almost like, you need to, they like need to look at that differently of going, yeah, this is not really that kind of content that's going to be watched in those numbers. <laughs> and I, I think that they are, I think that they have such a, an understanding of consumer research at Disney that they're definitely thinking about that. Okay. We have certain users who are these toddlers that are watching something on repeat essentially. And then we have different types of users. So I know that they're creating those profiles and, and trying to, you know, be thoughtful about, you know, uh, you know, hopefully using that data in a, in a useful way. I mean, this is the thing is, I mean, they're getting data now from what we're watching and all the rest of it in a way they've never had before. Mm. They are really getting an insight into what we watch, what, what, what certain demographic are watching this, what's going on here, the locations where they are, you know, they're going to start picking together this, you know, because ultimately as well, it's linked to your Disney account. So therefore they've got data from that and they can pull all of this in to work out what's going on. And hopefully as well, going, you know, like, if people are watching that, the Badger movie that's dropped this thing, they're going, okay, this is working. Or it's like, it's bringing what people are watching it, but it's cheap to put on there. It's therefore more effective. You know, you're going to start seeing the data showing this. And that's honestly our great hope, I think, is that nobody has, in, over the, if the history of entertainment and home entertainment particularly, nobody has done home consumer research better than Disney, you know, and nobody has done, has been, done it more successfully. So I, I have hope as a fan, I have hope as a journalist who covers this whole world that uh, Disney's going to use that data in, in the right way and we're going to ultimately get a whole lot more of, uh, of the library content, the legacy titles that are out here. So, uh, Pretty much, I'm going to not really end on a better note than that. But So a big thank you for Josh for joining me on this um, kind of bonus episode. Like I said, we've been wanting to do this one for a while and it's kind of worked out with timing and stuff. But yeah, so again, a big thank you for Josh for uh, a, doing the articles and stuff, but also joining me on this podcast. Uh, where can they find you, Josh? Goodness, that's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm out there on the forums for sure. I, I write for a few different, uh, uh, I'm a freelance journalist, so I write for a few different outlets, the stream, Federalist. Uh, I've got a big piece coming out in, some, in the, the magazine Christianity Today coming up here, actually about streaming services uh, in the next few weeks here. But, uh, you know, yeah, find me on the forums, Josh Shepard. You know, we can set up a conversation and, uh, and talk a lot more deeply about these issues of legacy titles. I've learned a lot from users on the forums 
and uh, have you know gotten much more interested in uh, in some titles that I never knew about. So thank you to people who are out there, and I hope you know uh, we'll all continue to watch and see where things develop on the legacy side of things. Okay, on that note, guys, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you guys in another episode. Laters. Mm -hmm.